Thank you so much for joining me today on Just Praise Him Radio. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and my job is to inspire you to a closer walk with Christ. Now here's the show. Hello, believers. Welcome to the Just Praise Him radio program. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and the title of my message today is For All the Weary Water Walkers in 2023. On this episode, we're going to be talking about what I call water walking, which is when God asks you to step out and usually leave your um, familiar surroundings, like leave where you live, leave a job, both of the above, you know, whatever. And I call that water walking because you're stepping out of the boat. So we're going to talk about water walk phases, what I call the phases, the different things that you go through and and, um, have to make the choices of. It seems to me right now the Lord is calling numerous people to step out on water walks. And I call it a water walk if he has you step out of the safety of the boat, which is your life right now, and into the dark unknown where he leads you by his spirit and builds your faith. Usually what I've seen when he does this, he's taking you very often off the paycheck system that the world is on, and he's putting you on his system, the sole provider system, where you learn to trust him for every single part of your provision. Why would he want to do this? And why now, when our whole world feels so crazy and so unsure? For those very reasons, because our world is crazy and unsure. I really think it is training for receiving provision in the time of no provision that is coming, which also may indicate that that time is indeed just about upon us, but not to fear because he's well able and willing to provide everything that we need. So let's say that he has you step out of the boat. Let's say that that, now years ago, he's had me do this. I don't know how many times I don't remember how many times I know it's I think it's about several, maybe three or four, something like that, where he would have me leave a job or leave at the end of a job, move someplace totally new where I don't know anybody and just like start a life there. And then he leads me as I go what he wants me to do. And when you flow in the prophetic, you're generally not kept in one place. Um, Prophetic people serve the entire body of Christ. And so we are often moved around a lot because he uses us at different churches and different things like that. We're not generally planted somewhere. We're kind of plucked up and <laughs> and just, you know, move from place to place. And you just, you know, you you kind of get used to just adapting because that's that's what you do. So uh, there's lots of reasons for it. It has to do with your calling. It has to do with the time that we live in and what the needs of the body are. Anytime the Lord moves you someplace or or asks you to move or requires you to move, you have to make a lot of choices. You have to lay some things down to pick some other things up. When I moved from Arkansas, I moved by myself, me and two little dogs. I didn't have any, you know, my son moved with me a lot of times prior to that, and he would just move me, bless his heart. And God bless him forever for doing that, because that is a lot of work, y'all. But when I moved from Arkansas, he did not move with me. 
because I had no one to help me move. I could not take any furniture because I'm not very strong, y'all. I'm old. I'm an old woman and I'm a, a small person and I'm not very strong. I can't lift big, heavy furniture. I can lift a folding table and stuff like that, but I can't lift anything big and heavy. So I didn't take any furniture. I gave my furniture away. Mostly to, um, I had heard of this one family that had, a, it's a family of four, if I remember right, and they had lost everything. Their house had burned down. And I had a friend who was collecting things for them. And she came over and got everything. And um, she was going to um, make sure that everything got placed somewhere, if not with that family, then with someone who was in need. So she was a very kind-hearted person. So I did that with my furniture. And the only thing I really miss is I had this one couch that I bought after the stroke that I loved. It was so pretty and it was just so comfortable. If you had to sleep on the couch, that was the couch you wanted. But anyway, someday I'll have a couch again when I have a room for it. Um, so you have to make choices. When God requires something of you and he sends you someplace or he has you lay down your job, you have to make, the, you have to make choices. You have to ask yourself questions. When he had me leave my job in oil and gas, I had to ask myself, do I trust him to provide for me? Do I trust him to bring me what I need to pay my bills, to pay all my bills for me and, you know, make sure, you know, if my truck needs work, he, you know, is he going to pay for that? Do I trust him or do I trust that paycheck more? Because you have to decide that before you quit a job, Right. And I'm, and I'm telling you all this because my, in my spirit, I'm just getting this knowing that a bunch of y'all are going to be sent on water walks, that a, a number of you are about to get this call. So we need to talk about it ahead of time, just so you know what you're in for, because not everybody says yes. And I personally have never, ever heard this preached on in a church. I've never even heard this preached on, on the radio. And I, I'm sure there are people out there that do it, but they need to talk about it more because it's going to be a lot more frequent, I think, now. So here are some of the questions that God's asking you in your heart as you walk out these phases. To be chosen, remember we're chosen in the furnace of affliction, that scripture's in Isaiah. To be chosen, you must complete these phases and, of course, give the right answer. Many people, when they enter a time of lack in a water walker in a wilderness, will turn to sin for provision. Or they will run from the test and run back to Egypt, where, you know, at least they, they may not have had the best provision, but they had provision, right? Where the garlics and the leeks and all that are. I think... Maybe that's part of the reason we don't hear a lot of preaching on this. Maybe the people did run back to the flesh pots. I don't know. I don't know. People cannot lead you where they've never been. You make a terrible tour guide if you've never done the tour, okay? A lot of people will refuse or turn back from a water walk when their family and friends begin protesting and say, well, that's crazy. That's just crazy. You can't do that. That doesn't make any sense. Or ridiculing or persecuting them because of it. A lot of people cannot stand peer pressure. They can't hold up under it. But let me ask you something. Did you ask for their opinion? Did you want their opinion? Are they even at the same spiritual level that you're at? 
And most importantly, who are you trying to please? Your family, your friends, or your God? Job had to answer that question when all his uninvited friends contested his viewpoint. Be assured that when you begin a water walk, Satan will send Job's friends to your house too, okay? But God is saying, will you obey me? I've asked you to do the unthinkable. Leave your home. Move out of town away from everybody you know. Quit your job, you know, whatever. Will you consult your flesh and do what's comfortable? Will you stay in your comfort zone? You don't grow in your comfort zone, you know. Will you consult your spouse or significant other? Will you ask your friends or family what they think of what I've asked you to do? Many who do not even know me, will you allow them to change your mind and let them derail you from what I have asked you to do? Or will you just obey me and go? Is there someone you love more than me? Do you care more about their opinion than mine? A water walk will show you real quick if you have idolatry in your heart. Can I just tell you that? What about your own will? Will you refuse what I am asking you to do because you had other plans or it don't sound like fun? Which do you want more, your will or mine? Because mine requires sacrifice. I'm sure getting on the cross didn't sound too fun to Jesus either. What about your financial stability? Will you refuse his will and, for example, take a job or hold on to your nest egg to keep from selling your investments? Will you go back to work when he told you not to so you don't have to spend your savings? I know somebody that happened to. I had a cousin. He's gone on to be with the Lord now. And he told me the story one time. He was basically in a wilderness is where he was. And I think it was a water walk. I think God had told him to step out because God had called him to preach. And God had called him to prison ministry. That's what he was doing when he died. Um, at the end of his life, before he died. He had $90,000 in the bank, he said. And he said he had to use all of it. I believe he said in order to stay in obedience and not go back to work. 90000 y'all. Doing his will, especially in a water walk or a wilderness, will generally cost you every resource that you had put back to fall back on. And the reason is because we will not trust God for everything until we are down to nothing else. Because there is, it is not an easy thing to do. Can I just tell you that? I remember so clearly the wilderness of 2009. I remember almost being in physical pain because I was believing my guts out, believing God to supply food, believing God to bring in money for the electric bill. I didn't have a ministry yet, y'all. I just was out on YouTube. I didn't have, I don't think I even, I don't remember if I had a podcast or not. I might've been on blog talk then, or I might not have, but I was just getting started. And he's like yanked the rug out from under me, which is fine. He's God. It's his rug. He can do what he wants. But it was, it was pretty scary there a few times. And I remember just believing and believing and believing and, and trying to keep my mind focused on what scripture said. He will supply all my needs. You know, he's not, 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Trying to focus on that and not let the fear creep in because the fear was trying to creep in, okay? Satan will get right in your face. Oh, you're not going to have anything to eat. Your lights are going to get cut off next week. You know, he'll, he'll just prophesy gloom and doom and try to get you to prophesy it with him because then the authority of your words take over and the negative happens instead of what God's trying to bring to pass. You have to get on board with God because when you are in these situations, you're going to get on board with one or the other with your words. You're either going to be on board with God or you can be on board with Satan. You get to choose that. So you have to choose between, you know, your financial stability. You've got your carefully orchestrated life like I had. You've put back your savings like I did. And maybe you have your retirement, you know, your 401 and whatever all that you've put back over the years. And all of a sudden, God's requiring you to, you know, step out and not have a job or not have this or not have that. And what will happen if you are trying to work, if you think you're still supposed to work and you're trying to get a job, is you either won't get a job. No matter how, if you go on 50 interviews and you usually get every job that you apply for, you won't get a job or you'll get released from the job. And like you never get fired. This is what happens if he's trying to put you in a corner because he's trying to teach you something you need. I praise God that he taught me all this stuff. I wasn't praising too much when I was going through it because I was scared. Okay. There is no shame in saying that because it is scary. Y'all, we were all raised on the paycheck system. We were not raised to believe God for everything. We were raised on the paycheck system. If you were raised to believe God for everything, you are way ahead of the rest of us, okay? But now I don't have any problem walking in faith. I've been living on just faith since um, about 2010. I think 2010 or 2011 when I stepped out and said, okay, that's it. God said, no more work. You're done. It might have been 2012 after I wrote The Wilderness Companion, but I did have to stop working in order to write the book. So probably 2011. So it's 2023 now. So that is 12 years. If I'm adding correctly, if I can still do math, 12 years of 100% walking in faith and believing God every single week, every day, every month to bring everything I need to pay for whatever I need to pay for that month. Rent, bills, you know, groceries, whatever. Boy, groceries are... The prices are scary, aren't they? Um, okay, so what resources I had then, they were small, but I did have some. They were going pretty quick. <clears throat> and the, the water walk in the wilderness did not stop until they were gone. Because he can't put you in the wilderness or the water walk until you have nothing else to fall back on but him. Because it is to teach you dependence. It's to teach you that he is faithful and he will prove himself faithful to you. Okay, so financial stability, that's out the window. Our human nature is that we would rather depend on our resources then have to learn to believe at a level that we've never had to believe at before. Because it is a lot of work to do that. Will you believe him to provide for you as he has promised to do? Will you believe him like you have said you would do if you were ever in that position? Because I have heard a lot of folks say, oh yeah, I would trust God. I could trust God, no problem. Yeah, if you said that, your test is probably coming. I'm just saying. We all think that we would. 
Just like we think we would never deny Jesus, but Peter walked with him every day and he denied him three times. So think about that. Peter denied him three times and he walked with him every day and loved him like a brother. Literally worshipped him, I'm sure. Have you ever looked at another person who was in a water walk and in the midst of their misery and their lack and said, well, you just have to trust God like they weren't already? That is one of the things that upset me so bad when I was in the wilderness. Oh, well, you just have to trust God. And you are literally like walking through the fire. You know, you're walking over hot coals and people are like, well, you just have to believe God. Uh, yeah, I quit my job and moved to another state because he told me to. And I'm not believing God. Oh, please, please do not say that to me. And please don't say it to anybody else that's going through that either. That is so rude. And here's what happens if you've ever said that. God will put you in their shoes. He will make sure that a situation comes into your life where you're walking without any provision, where you have to rely on just faith. So you can have more compassion for other people when they are. God likes us to have compassion. Will you really believe him to provide for you? Or will you trust in some relationship or some job or, you know, whatever to pay your rent, to provide you with transportation? Ooh, the Lord's showing me I hit a nerve with somebody right there. I'm sorry, y'all. Who are you really going to believe to be your provider? Because God wants us to believe him to be our provider. That's the whole reason he sets this up. When the heat is turned up and you're dealing with more than just lack in your life, Will you run back to Egypt and try to get your old life back? Will you listen when people say, well, you just need to get a job, any job? Or will you stand on his word and allow him to refine you, even though it means you stay in the furnace of affliction until he's changed you? So he can promote you. So he can at last give you the desires of your heart as he knows them to be. When the pressure starts coming against you from more than one side, will you hold on for him? Will you believe him to carry you through that? I remember a time in one wilderness. Oh, it was so bad. There was strife coming from um, another family. There was car problems. I had breakdowns in my truck. No job trying to recover from major surgery. I mean, it was coming from like four or five different directions at one time. And it is not a good feeling when that happens. I don't even know. I look back on that now and I don't even know how I walked through all that. It had to be God because it wasn't me. When day after day after day, the pressure continues with no relief in sight, will you still praise me? Will you still praise me when the rent is due and you walk to the mailbox and there are utility bills too? And you have no money to pay any of it? Can you still praise him then? Will you still call me Lord? Will I still be your God? Or will you turn back to Egypt and seek out the garlics and the leeks and the flesh pots? When others around you betray you and slander you and lie about you and take from you. When you're already down. When they turn others against you. Am I still your Lord? Will you still serve me and trust me? 
Or will you give up because it's too hard to walk in my ways and go back out to the world where you can hear the laughter and the partying of your friends even now? And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day who you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua twenty four fifteen. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. It's going to be really hard when you step out, and you know a lot of people who know what you're going through. What you're entering into, a faith walk with no income, and they just stand back and say things like, well, I'll pray for you, or I don't think you should do that. That's going to fail. And they do nothing to help. They just watch for you to fail. They don't give an offering. They do nothing but doubt and criticize. Job's uninvited friends never step out themselves, but still somehow they feel fully qualified to judge and criticize you when you do. So just be prepared for that because they always show up. Job's friends are happy to do nothing, letting everyone else carry the load and shoulder the burdens. They have a, well, somebody else can do that because I'm not going to. And although they have no real Bible faith themselves, they're happy to criticize your walk. And by the way, what Job's friends don't know is God sees that and then he puts them into a similar situation with no provision and no help because they judged you. They get to walk a mile in your shoes and they will have no idea what is happening when they do. Because they were too busy running their mouth to listen to you when you were trying to teach them. And keep in mind, if the Lord is speaking to you or leading you in your spirit to move, and you cling to where you are and refuse to go for any reason, that is idolatry. Just reminding you. By the way, y'all remember when Jesus went and fasted for 40 days? Where did he go? He got baptized by John, and then we see him in the desert, fasting and wishing he had a biscuit. Then Big Mouth Satan shows up and tried to get him to give in at the very end of the 40 days, when he knew Jesus was homesick, hungry, tired, and weak. But Jesus held the high ground, and he completed his fast, and Father God moved him straight into ministry. That is a word for somebody. You are going into a water walk, the Lord says. You've been asking him for ministry and asking and asking and asking. He's going to take you there, but he's going to take you via the desert. You're going to go into a water walk. You're going to go through some refining, and then he's going to set you into ministry, and you are going to be very powerfully anointed in it. When Jesus was in the Judean desert, I'm sure Mary was at home saying, he don't call, he don't email, not even a text. Where's he at? Why is he not keeping us informed on what's going on? When you step out in faith on your water walk, people are going to want to call you for all the details, okay? Family, friends, co-workers, and all the church folk you know will want to know where you went and why you went, and then you'll be out there on the receiving end of no end of unsolicited and unwanted advice and opinions, but no help, because that's the way that goes. And mostly, 
They want to know so they can gossip about you and so they can judge you and criticize you. Not so they can pray, just so you know that, because that's what they're going to tell you. Keep your details to yourself between you and the Lord unless he gives you permission to share them. It will help you a lot, okay? It will save you a lot of emotional misery, I'm just telling you. Where he sends you and when is between you and and him and nobody else, all right? If he does send you somewhere else, even someplace you have never been or speak to you, to leave your employment. Keep in mind that was not a conference call and nobody else's opinion on what he told you to do or where he told you to go is needed or even matters. Just be sure you heard him. That's all you got to do. Be sure that you know that you know that you know before you step out and go. Because when Satan comes and tries to make you doubt, that is what you stand on and that is what keeps you from just, you know, collapsing and running back to Egypt, okay, and giving in. You have to know for sure that you heard from him or he's leading you there. Once you know what the mission is, go do it. Also, Ray and I were talking the other day. If the Lord has shown you in your spirit that he's moving you, and he is moving people to areas of protection now, by the way, do not assume it is the same way you moved last time. Okay? This is a time of separations. He may be moving you for kingdom work or for your protection or for somebody else's protection to get you away from somebody, because when the persecution begins rising up soon, anyone who helps you or is connected to you can also be victims of the persecution, because it's going to be very intense. Okay, let me share with y'all before I get off here, because somebody asked me recently, let me share with you what I know about what is coming, just to help your understanding talking about the end times in general in this part. There is somewhere in this first part of the end of the end, a warning shot judgment coming. It is before the other big judgments. And I believe that it's been specified. It's a very large scale natural disaster, like an earthquake or something like that. That will cause everyone who does not know him to run to the nearest Christian that they know to find out about our Jesus. I'm not sure at what point time-wise that this warning shot will happen. And I don't know for sure what kind of disaster it is. Okay, at some point, the final harvest of souls revival will kick off and begin to spread around the globe. Now, I was sent to where I am now in Louisiana to help Uh, with the revival, but it has not yet started. This final harvest of souls revival, when it kicks off, will start to spread around the globe. This is a worldwide thing because it is for all the world. It is literally the final harvest of souls. These are the last souls to come into the kingdom before the tribulation, okay? I don't know how long the revival will last, but I suspect at least three or four years. Azusa Street type miracles, that level of miracles, like eyes reappearing in sockets and stuff like that, will be pretty common occurrences in this revival. Also, people being instantly delivered from hardcore drug addiction like crack and meth and heroin. Like somebody lays hands on and prays and boom, they're free. Just like that. That quick. 
The miracles cause the masses to pour into the churches and give their lives to Christ. That is the purpose of miracles in the church. If y'all don't know that, that, and I have that from on high, that is the purpose. It is to help unbelievers believe. As the miracles make the news and become a bigger and bigger deal and draw a lot of media attention, Satan gets really, really angry. And so he starts pushing buttons, intensifying the persecution. He stirs up hatred more in the hearts of the wicked to persecute us. Some of Satan's people will push for the mark of the beast at some point and martyrdom will become fairly common as Christians are made to choose their world and their food or their God. The mark of the beast is an actual mark. If you research the scriptures, it's an actual mark and it will be on the right hand or the forehead that everyone left on earth will be required to have to buy or sell anything, including food. You won't be able to buy food. You won't be able to buy gas for your car. You won't be able to buy food for your dogs, food for your kids, nothing, medical care, nothing without that mark. So no mark, no eat. That's the bottom line. It will be introduced in the middle of the seven-year tribulation, known as the Great Tribulation, a time that is like no other before it, when Satan's people will put pull out all the stops to try to make each Christian deny Jesus. It's going to be like their life's mission. Somewhere in the end times, there's a widespread belief that all the bride of Christ, and the bride of Christ to me are those people who walk very closely with God and have crucified their flesh and are abstaining from sin. Um, somewhere in the end times, and, the, and it varies depending on who you talk to, they say there will be a rapture or the, the catching away of the, those people, of the bride. They will be quickly removed from the earth. I do believe there are patterns in the Bible that agree with that. And I hope it is true because none of us are enjoying this world much even now. So as it gets worse, you know, it's going to be even worse than that. So I don't even want to think about what it's going to be like. I don't have any revelation on the rapture, but... I have made contact with someone who has studied it for many years, and he's going to guest on the podcast soon and talk about it as soon as we can nail down all the technical things. I want y'all to know, the Lord knows how weary we all are right now. He knows that some of us are just hanging on by our fingernails, trying to get through every day. He knows what we're dealing with, and we... All know that it's going to get worse before he comes back to get us, but that we have to endure to the end. That's all I have for y'all tonight. I hope that this podcast has been a blessing to you and that it increased your understanding. Thanks for listening. May the Lord Jesus bless you and keep you in the week to come. Y'all have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Just Praise Him Radio. You can contact me by mail at my new address, JPH Inc., Glenda Lomax, P.O. Box 239, Turkey Creek, Louisiana, 70585, or by email at jphtoday, that's J-P-H-T-O-D-A-Y, at gmail.com. JPH is not affiliated with any nonprofit organization, church, or denomination.
Have you ever gone through a time in your life where suddenly it just felt like your whole life was falling apart? I call these experiences the wilderness experiences. Wilderness experiences are a time of great uncertainty and change. Uh, there are times when our faith is tried and refined. After many experiences, the Lord spoke to me to write The Wilderness Companion, which is a virtual roadmap through the desert times of your life. Find out why you've been led to the wilderness. Find out what the biggest hindrance is to receiving provision in the wilderness. Find out what the seven temptations of the wilderness are. Drastically cut the time you spend in the wilderness by learning how to partner with the Lord instead of working against Him. Every Christian needs to read The Wilderness Companion. It's by Glenda Lomax, and it's available on Amazon.com or WingsOfProphecy.com. Amazon.com, The Wilderness Companion by Glenda Lomax.